What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Josh and our special guest, Matt Grubba. Together, we're going to break down the Hounds' one nothing victory over the battery, take a look around the rest of the Eastern Conference, and get Matt's take on the keys to the Hounds' success this season. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty gritty. Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. I, I feel like this has been like years in the making. I feel like I asked you like two or three years ago to come on, and then you said you could, and then something happened, and then like you asked us, and then something. So finally, we're glad we, we were able to pin you down and get you in here. Um, you know, we were talking just a little bit off air. Love, love all the work that you're doing. You're you've been live tweeting games. You have the post game show that you've been doing. So all really, really good stuff, man. Oh, I appreciate. It. I mean, you know, it's it's. This year's been kind of different because it's the first uh, first year of the Highmark era that I haven't uh, you know been covering the team officially for a an outlet here in the city. So it's mm-hmm. uh, you know actually been an enjoyable year because I've had some moments to just sit back and really watch the game rather than have to worry about you know getting something in on a deadline or or you know things like that. You know, get to really take in the game a bit more. I guess you could say more as a fan, but maybe just you know enjoy the moment a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of enjoying the moment, let's just get right into it. Hounds got a win, one nothing this weekend. Josh, you got something for us? There we go. Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. It's kind of like the game. It's kind of like the game. But it was a victory beverage. Um, guys, Matt, I'll start with you. You know, we, we were saying that one nothing, not a whole lot going on. What was sort of your takeaway from, from this one? Uh, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with how they handled it, sort of in, in just a professional way. You know, they, they, you know, Carlson was clearly sitting back, you know, trying to hit him on the counter, not uh, not trying to take the game to them. So to finally, you know, spread them out and get that goal in the second half was happy to see. But I just I wish it wouldn't take them seventy minutes hmm. to do it. You know, it seems it seemed for a long time like they were, you know, just trying to possess, but just playing through them instead of just you know stretch them wide a little bit and, and make make them open up some. And once they finally did, that's where the chances came from, including the goal. Yeah. I I mean, Josh, what uh, you were there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Oh, yes, you were, because you, you took all the pictures of the old guard shield and, and all of that. So what was uh, <laughs> what were the, what were the feelings in the stand as the game was progressing? It felt like a little bit of a slog of a game. It felt like there were there. I mean, there were definitely chances uh, in the first half. Uh, we had a couple good chances and, you know, it was right in front of the Steel Army section. So it's always kind of nice to see the team attacking towards us and uh, actually getting you know a goal would have been nice. But uh, there were a couple of shots that looked like they they could have gone in and it, it wasn't from a lack of trying. But, yeah, uh, like I said, that it was definitely a situation where it felt like neither team was willing to like kind of like make that mistake or like, you know, kind of like open up a little bit too much or overextend themselves. And so there were, it was kind of a slog. Kind of reminded me of a playoff game. You know what I mean? Like it's, I had the, the feeling of one of those games where it's like, you know, it took a long time to open it up. Everybody was afraid to lose, not wanting yes. to win. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it was weird because I think the first few minutes it felt like the battery came out and played a little bit, and then after that it really was just 11 men behind the ball. And I think what intrigues me about that is we've talked about how we feel that this this Hounds team has the ability to break apart a defense like that, and that's one of the things we struggled with last season. But I don't really think that anyone has bunkered the way that the battery did in this one against us, at least not recently. Um, and so to sort of see the hounds not necessarily struggle with that. Cause like you said, there were some opportunities, um, but to see us, you know, like Matt said, get to the 70th minute and, you know, basically still nil nil. There was, I think there was a lot of hounds fans that were just thinking like, Oh no, here we go. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just not going to be our night. Um, but we did get the breakthrough Dos Santos. Buried one um, from a nice little one-two that started with Mertz to Forbes. Forbes brought the cross in. Brett was right there with him. Hounds go up one nothing. I was thinking at that point the game would open up even more. It really kind of didn't. I don't know. Um, but I thought one thing that was really interesting was after the goal, uh, we made some subs. We brought Ryan James in, which Ryan James didn't start. We basically won the four-man back line. Von Kiesel at the left-back position. Once we brought James in, it almost felt like a nice warm blanket. Like that that five-man defensive back, I don't know what it is, but just looking at it, it I have total confidence that nobody's going to score on that. And I I don't know. Matt, what's what's sort of your take? Where do you stand on the four-man back line versus the five-man back line? I think the reason it feels so more so much more comfortable with the five-man back line it isn't as much the system as it is the players that that puts on the field. Because mm. usually when it's five at the back, it means down the middle, you've got Greenspan, uh, Toby, and, and and Tommy V, you know, right across the middle there, who I, I, I think there's a pretty big gap for from those three playing center back to anybody else on the Hounds roster. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's the comfort level with those three across the back, whereas when they go four across the back, you know, one of them is either in a, usually it would be Banky Azeal would be in the midfield somewhere, you know, somebody's in a different position. And it, it just, uh, you know, it, it's a concentration of some of the Hounds' better players playing in the back. I, I, so I don't think scheme wise they're that much worse with four in the back, but I think it just, you know, it's putting the best players in a defensive position, which makes them that much harder to break down. Yeah. Josh, if you had if you had your pick going in, well, I shouldn't say going into this next game because there's a lot we have to talk about as it relates to this <laughs> next game. But if you were if you were sort of putting in your ideal lineup, do you think you'd start with four at the back or five at the back? Five. I mean, it's a lot. Uh, you know about the personnel that is on the field. But even when I'm saying that, I'm also remembering that this game, the the most nervy I felt about them having an opportunity, Charleston having opportunity, was at the end of this game when we had that five in the back. And yet it looks like there were a couple of chances there where the, they were just a hair away from getting a goal. So it, it's kind of interesting that, yeah, I felt more comfortable with having Ryan James in. But at the same time, uh, that, that obviously wasn't all we needed because they, were, they had more opportunities at the very last part of this game than at the beginning. Yeah. We've talked a lot about um, – we talked about it. The preview show guys talked a lot about sort of the rookies – um, and the impact that they're making on this on this team, you know, obviously Mertz had that one opportunity where it was a, a shot that was going wide, and he tried a nice little heel flick that ended up going right into the keeper. But uh, Sammy Kasai, you know, basically played 73 minutes in this game, and I've been somewhat critical of him in the past. I, I think this was a case where, again, he was 
he passed a lot more of the balls backward, or at least it felt like he passed a lot more of the balls backwards than forwards, which I would kind of hope was the opposite way. Matt, what's your what's your read on Kasai this season? You know, he's he's been a mixed bag, which you sometimes expect with, with rookie guys, first-year pro-type guys. And, you know, at the start of the year, and I know you said you've been critical of him, uh, I, you know, getting to sit out with the fans and, you know, be out a little more during games this year. You're not the only one who's been critical <laughs> of him. But I noticed a turning point a little bit with him. Uh don't have a schedule in front of me, but the road, the road match at Hartford, which was, you know, now a couple of months ago, uh, that was, uh, you know, his first 90 minutes that he got out there, got to go start to finish, and he played a pretty good game out there, better than I had seen to that point. And that sort of gives me hope that maybe his development is just he needs to get the minutes in. And, you know, certainly with the team coming down the stretch, you know, making a playoff push, pushing for the top four, there aren't going to be that many opportunities to get guys in, but you know, he's a guy that it seems to me he, his best play has come when he's gotten more minutes and gets more comfortable out there. And when he hasn't been playing as much, like you said, you know, he gets a little timid out there, still has to feel his way back into the into game action, and he's playing more backwards passes. I know early in the year, it, it, I don't know that if he ever took a shot on goal, he'd have chances he'd get the ball at his feet 15 yards from that, and you want him to pull the trigger, and he's still looking for a pass, which – signals to me that he's just he's thinking too much about trying not to make a mistake and mm-hmm. you know get comfortable with this level yeah and i mean he's he's a physical presence um i think that mm-hmm. and this was i don't want to say this was the first game but you know we often talk about the best holding mil- midfielders are the ones that you don't talk about you don't notice that they're there and i feel like this was one of the first games that he would pop up in places and i just and after the ball had left his foot, I would go, oh, that was Kasai. Like, I completely just didn't even recognize he was there. So I think that he is a work in progress, but it's very similar to, you know, what we've said about Velarde, where it could be the case where he needs a solid 70 minutes to really get into that groove and be that in-back player, and it might not be the sub-on sort of situation that works out best for him. So um, it's just interesting. Uh, and I think, like you said, there's a lot of games coming up um, you know, there's probably gonna be some rotation with him and Dabo both getting minutes. So th- no, that was a really good point that, you know, if you're going to give him time, now's the time to do it. Um, just to get them all warmed up. Yeah. Looking down the road too, to jump back in that, that Memphis game. I know this is probably getting ahead. We'll talk more about it, but I, I, I can see that being a game, especially if the Hounds get the result they want in Nashville, that Memphis will be a game where a lot of those young guys might get a, get a chance to get a run. Yeah, no, it's a good shout. Um, I thought, you know, overall, I didn't really feel like Morton was tested much. I can, I think there was one moment where he really had to slide across and make a save, but for the most part gets another clean sheet, which, you know, kudos to him and the defense for making that happen. Um, and then, you know, I, I, don't, I, I feel like there's not a whole lot to talk about with this game. Um, well, I don't know. What other, what other takeaways do you guys have? Josh, you got anything else over there? Yeah, um, just the fact that we got the job done. I mean, that as a whole, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, this this team versus previous season's version of the Hounds. And it's comforting to see that they were able to not only, you know, keep the the undefeated streak alive this season at home, but also able to get the three points, not just a draw in a tough game where maybe in the you know past we would have gotten that draw instead of getting that win. Uh, so at this point, three points is so 
important compared to one. Like it's it could make or break our home playoff game chances. So the fact that they are digging down, getting the three points, yeah, it would have been nice if we would have gotten the three points against Louisville uh, the week before, but four points in uh, two games. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with this. It's, it's a lot better than two points in two games. So yeah, or, or you know, or <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just leave it at yeah. that. Um, Matt, was there anything else that you saw on the field that you think is uh, worthy to discuss at this point? Well, the one thing that that jumps out at me, and, I, and as we were talking about the rookies, you know, we've all been impressed by what Robbie Mertz has brought to the team, and you know, I joke around that like you know the way he's playing, how, how the Colorado Rapids ever let him go? Mm-hmm. I mean, the way <laughs> the season they're having, they could use a quality player in midfield, but uh, he, the one thing I'm noticing with him is he's certainly, you know, game to go into any challenge and even for his small stature. But, you know, he posed the line sometimes, and he did against Charleston where he had a pretty rough tackle that he went in on one of the Charleston players. wasn't even a foul because the offside flag had gone up already. But then later in the game, you know that that tackle was already in the referee's mind when he went into another one right in front of the benches too, which is, you know, one of the big red areas where – you know, if a referee sees anything borderline right in front of the coaches, that card's coming out for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just worry with Mertz that, uh, you know, certainly love the effort from him, but, uh, you know, shows a little little recklessness at times. And, I mean, that's something, you know, young guy, he'll learn to keep it under control, but you just worry, you know, that maybe it gets out of hand in a critical situation come playoff time. And, you know, I certainly, it's not anything that, would make me want to, you know, take him off the field or try to call him or, you know, change how he plays. But I hope it's something that, you know, Bob has mentioned to him about, hey, you know, we can't be flying in on tackles like that because, you know, not going to do us any good if we were playing with 10 men. It reminds me a lot of Danny Earls in the past where you would see this passion from him and you would you would appreciate it. You would know that, you know, it's, it's good to see players on the team who care, who actually uh, – want to you know play more than just as a professional they kind of like have their heart in it uh and you, you understand that coming from merch because the hometown and all that kind of stuff has a lot more pride in this uh team than just someone who is you know com- doing a job so it, it is kind of nice to see but yeah we kind of saw that with earls and like sometimes you know he would just slide in get that red and then for the rest of the game <laughs> you're down a man mm-hmm. uh yeah so uh, that's a good point yeah I think one of it, I think part of me chalks it up to just not immaturity, but because we've seen maturity on, on so many other levels with Mertz. But I sort of was watching and I thought it all started really. There was a moment when he was in, he wasn't, he may have been in on goal and he sort of got thrown down from behind and there was no call from the ref. And he sort of looked up and threw his hands up. And then right after that, it seemed like he started just throwing his body around. And I don't know if I was out of frustration or what. But again, it's like you said, it's it's that emotion of just like, you know, fine, you're not going to call it like I'm just going crazy. And that is definitely something that we're going to have to be careful of because you don't we don't want to lose him, you know, as in, in a playoff match or even leading up to the playoffs because of some stupid foul. He needs to keep it together. Yeah, and that's and I, I know exactly what you're talking about, too. How it, and that's there's also a gamesmanship to it where, you know, after he gets knocked down, like you said, you know, he's going to say, OK, that's where the line is drawn. Mm. He's going to go at another guy with with the same, you know, aggression, same force. 
and see how the referee's going to go at it because that's also how players are going to feel out what can we get away with in this game too. So there's there's an element of that too, which I certainly don't blame any player. You know, they, they have to find every game's different, so they have to find where that line's going to be. But it, it's one of those where I'm sure against Charleston, after Mertz had that one late tackle that was, uh, you know, after the offside flag was up, he got he got spoken to then. And so you'd like to see a guy say, okay, you know, maybe if there's the line. But he still managed to cross it again, which, you know, because he didn't get a card the first time, he has that luxury. But you'd still rather not see guys, you know. I, I don't know how many cards he's on already, but yeah, I, I, I got to feel like he's pushing toward, you know, three or four where he's got to be mindful of not picking up just a, the one-game suspension for accumulation, too. Yeah, it feels like he's been Yeah, I was trying to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to look that up, and I couldn't find it right now. It seems like a website's not exactly loading correctly, so. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Matt, well, yeah, we'll get, the, we'll, get the, we'll get the report on Wednesday. They send it, USL sends out an email, mm-hmm. so for sure then, because, you know, they can, they can also get one scrubbed for uh, good behavior. For, mm-hmm. so I, I, you never really know how many they're sitting on until the league tells you. <laughs> Matt, I've been. Uh, I think a lot of us have been sort of critical of the refs, and this was another game where I really didn't want to talk about the refs, and it's just sort of. It, I feel like there were a number of missed calls. You sort of had to be unbiased about this for a long time, and I'm guessing you still somewhat are. But overall, what was your assessment of sort of how this game was called? I thought it was called, you know, reasonably consistently, which is. It's- polite way to say it, but I do think that the referee let a lot of things go in this last one that, you know, it's, as a referee, you're always looking to see what are the players willing to tolerate. Like some games, you know, you're going to have guys go into each other, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder. Somebody gets knocked over. They both bounce back up and go about their business. But in, in the Charleston game, it seemed like, you know, guys were getting frustrated. Guys were looking for calls that, you know, were, you know, there was definitely – a foul committed, but you know, was how hard was it? You know, what did it merit? And the referee was just letting it go, I think, too much, and that's why you saw Nico Brett was on the hound side, the guy I saw the most frustration from. He obviously thought he should have had a penalty mm-hmm. uh, early in the second, early in the second half when they were running towards the uh, clubhouse end. Uh, you know, when you see guys on both teams getting frustrated like that, you know, sometimes you want to see the referees, you know, recognize that and okay, these guys don't like all this, so let's tighten it up, tighten it up both ways, and see how they're going to react. So I, I, th- I thought he let a little too much go, but hey, yeah, it's game to game, it can change. You know, next game, we might be complaining about, you know, everything was a whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, dare I ask what the Steel Army felt about the refing situation? <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, I, I don't remember us doing too many ref chants. Uh, that's usually a good, uh, you know, barometer of how uh, upset we are about the ref but there there was a couple of calls obviously but uh, for me at least it's just consistency if you're gonna be rough or if you're gonna you know not blow the whistle don't blow the whistle for both teams and vice versa i would rather just both teams know exactly where they stand and, and be able to play the game on even footing that way um so some refs you know you see them blowing everything but yeah i, I just yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. It was the heat missed a couple things, but it wasn't like egregious. Okay, that's fair. So, gentlemen, the uh, as we said, the Hounds get the full three points. Um, sort of, you know, shifting gears and looking at the standings just a little bit. I think last week we said, oh, you know, we got a draw, 
and it's not terrible because everybody else lost. Well, you know, this past week there were a couple teams that had multiple games, but basically everybody that sort of needed to win win or won, except for Nashville, who ended up losing to St. Louis, who we ended up, we're going to again talk about more here. But the Hounds are currently in fifth. They're sitting on 51 points, tied with Nashville, who are in fourth with 51 points. But we also have a game in hand on Nashville, which makes this upcoming weekend that much more important. Um, New York and Indy have officially locked down playoff spots. They're both tied at 56 points. New York's at the top at one. Indy's at two. Again, Indy has a game in hand on New York. Um, They both won their matches this past weekend. So there's still a lot of moving and shaking going on. Um, Matt, we've talked a ton about sort of where we think the Hounds could potentially end up this season. Where do you, uh, where do you think they, uh, they, they roll into the playoffs at what position you, you aiming at? Ooh, um, you know, the way they're playing, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I mean, they've been on a steady upward trend really since, you know, game 10 of the season, you know, after all those draws early on, they've been accumulating points at one of the fastest rates in the East. I, I don't see any reason, especially with their schedule down the stretch, you know, in October, they get, get to wind down with games against, you know, Loudon, Atlanta, you know, a few, a few, you know, games they should be picking up three points in. I'm going to guess they finish. I'll be optimistic and say second. Ooh, I like it. I like I'm it. Gonna go, <laughs> I'm going to go second. I was about to say third, and I'm just I'm looking at it now and just like, well, the game in hand with the Red Bulls. Who are, yeah, I, I, could, I could see them finishing second. I think we were talking for a while about how we thought Indy was really the team that we need to keep an eye on. And as things have started to shake out, I still don't think Indy will necessarily end up in first. They have a lot of games to play in a very short amount of time. Now, granted, they've now played the exact same number of games that we have. Um, but they've had to do, they had a couple midweek games recently and, uh, and that's just going to add some wear and tear. But I think that the team that we're looking at now is Nashville. Um, and I also think that Tampa can be had as well. So I, I'm going to, I'm feeling pretty good that we could land in third. If we go, if we jump up the second, I think that's going to be awesome. Josh, are you still feeling the, like, we'll make it into four, but you're nervous about it? I'm I'm still focused on fourth. I I know that we have a lot of opportunities here that we could get all the way up. You know, heck, we could get all the way up to first, to second, but third or fourth, I feel like it's where it's probably going to end up. And uh, just, I feel like I might it might just be that I'm not too much of an optimist when it comes to the hounds. So, <laughs> or I try not to be. Uh, so I'm saying fourth is uh, good enough for me. Okay, that's fair. Um. Looking at the Hound schedule, as uh, as Matt alluded to, we have Nashville this weekend, and then we start that crazy five games in two weeks stretch where we got Nashville on Saturday. We go to Memphis on Tuesday. We'll travel back home to play Indy on Saturday, and then Tuesday we go to Loudon. Then we come back home for Atlanta on Saturday, and after that we really only have two more games left before the playoffs, and both of them are away from home. So um, a tough little stretch that we'll have there. Definitely going to have some player management that we've talked about. You know, we alluded to earlier that Memphis game might be a good time to see a lot of Kasai, maybe a lot of Alarde. Um, but really, we got to get it done in Nashville. Before we do that, um, you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time on the show and, and on the preview show talking about whether or not we think this Hounds team is better than the Hounds team last year because right around the same time you know when you sort of looked at the stats maybe four or five games ago and you look at the uh, um, our win-loss draw basically we were dead even and uh, things have obviously turned a little bit I think you know especially this past game was one that 
as a fan of previous seasons, you could sort of look at and expect us to walk away with the draw. We didn't walk away with the draw. We got the three points. And uh, and I think that, you know, Justin and Steve did a good job statistically trying to break down why they thought that this team is better than last season. Matt, what's, uh, you know, you've been watching this team for a few years now. What's your take on sort of where this team ranks in sort of the last five years? Is this, is this are we looking at sort of the best the Hounds have put on the field in that time span? Or, or what are your thoughts? I think this right now is the safest Hounds team that I can remember we'll just say in the Highmark era. Mm-hmm. Um, by that I mean, you know, they, they are less prone to, you know, the loss out of nowhere you know, or, or the weird draw. Now, the first couple of months of the season, I wouldn't have said this, but, you know, the way they played, you know, the last two, three months since summer started, really, I, I feel like they are, even even when they come away with draws, you know, with, there's always there's always going to be exceptions, you know. North Carolina jumps in there, but I feel like this team is less prone to you know blowing a game late to you know just laying that egg that you know sometimes you know we've seen from the past from Hounds teams, and you know I say this and you know compared to last year, I just think they're a little bit better. And, and right now, I mean, last four matches they've gotten ten points out of a possible twelve, so they're playing well right now. Uh, and just, I think they're a little better than last year. And the only other team, you know, you think of to compare to is obviously the 2015 team made the playoffs with the, the Robbie Vincent year. And, you know, that team was more inconsistent in just, you know, a lot of their wins were higher scoring. They were up and down the field more. Uh, it, it just, you know, that team you felt could beat anybody, but were also more prone to the bad loss. Whereas that, uh, I don't know. I, I feel safest with this team of anyone. You know, if you were to make me pick, you know, I think this team has the best chance to progress of any of them in the playoffs. As as you were saying that, I was sort of thinking, like, I had this mental picture of, like, a pendulum, where, like, in previous years, that pendulum was swinging wildly, and as a fan, you just never mm-hmm. know where it's going to land, and this year, it's sort of just, like, hanging a little mm-hmm. bit even keel. You got a good sense of, okay, if we if we think we're going to get, you know, at least a draw in this game, we're going to get at least a draw we feel pretty good about it so um yeah what so far this season who have been uh, sort of your key players that you sort of keep an eye on and say you know that's the reason why the hounds are doing so much better this year well you know guy that he was i mean he was the case last year and, and i've been so impressed since he arrived is is thomas bankie i think the difference you see in the hounds when he's on the field versus when he isn't which Let's be honest, it's been very rare he isn't on the field, but when he got the international call-up, you know, they played the Louisville match without him, and you could just tell they were missing that guy right in the middle of the field or sometimes to the right side that you can just really slow play, control things, you know, wins tackles. He just keeps everything flowing so well from, you know, the defensive third to the middle third of the field that, I mean, he, to me, is the guy that really makes them tick. And then I know you've got... You know, Kerr and Canardo Forbes are the creative guys going forward that distribute the ball very well. You know, they sort of handle that role going from the midfield third to the attacking third. But Banky Azeel, I, I think, does that going from the defense to the midfield better than anyone they have on the team. And I, I just think that he's the most important guy for them right now. I think that's fair. Josh, do you, uh, you still love Tommy V, or do you think there's somebody else that, that's more key at this point? No, I agree with that assessment, especially with Tommy V. I feel like he is he, he brings an energy to the team 
um, like a high energy to it. Whereas with Forbes and Kerr, it's not that they're bringing a high energy. They're bringing some precision, kind of like some tactical sense. But Tommy V brings a little bit of that as well, obviously, but also just this, I don't know, just he's, you know, jet fuel. He, he has this like feeling of like, let's go, let's go, let's go, um, which is what you need. You need that kind of mix of you know, veterans and then also the, the younger guys and the, the players are just a little bit more just rambunctious. <laughs> and uh, same thing with Mertz. I feel like Mertz is bringing that as well. But with Mertz, it's a little bit more, you know, like we said before, it, it's more that energy, but with less precision. So. It's it's kind of getting that that mix. It's a little more raw. Tommy V has yeah. that one extra pro season under his belt. He's he's sort of the seasoned veteran to uh, Mertz's youthful exuberance. So uh, give it time. Give it give it time. Let it simmer. It's cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so we we've, we've sort of danced around it, and we need to talk about it. So this Saturday, Hounds travel to Nashville. Obviously, fourth place spot is on the line. We're currently tied with them on points. We have a game in hand. Taking three from them here is basically a six-point swing in our favor. Plus, we'd still have that. Well, no, I take that back. We won't have that game. No, wait. I can't do math. We'll still have the game in hand. We'll actually have <laughs> two games in hand, right? Because Nashville is playing uh, this week. Uh, they lost one nothing to St. Louis this weekend. They get Birmingham Legion at home on Tuesday. And then they face us on Saturday. So, yeah, we'll actually have two games in here. No, Josh is shaking his head. I can't do math. Wait. So, wait. Hold on. Wait. We're talking this back. Okay. We currently have one game in hand on them. They're going to play one more game. So, we will have two games in hand on them come Tuesday. And then we play them on Saturday. So, we'll have two games in hand. Okay. So, okay. I can't do math. You're right. You're right. I was thinking you were trying to say that there was three. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. So, yeah. If we win this game on Saturday, it'll be a six-point swing, and we'll have two games in hand on them. So, this game is huge. Um, We've talked a lot about sort of how you could potentially approach this, uh, you know, sort of A team, B team, which I know the the team itself hates to hear because it's just sort of a terrible thing. Matt, you're going into this stretch. Let's say that you're Lily. How are you approaching this game this weekend? Oh, if I'm, I'm approaching Nashville game as one that I definitely want to put away, you know, must win. I, you don't want to say must win. A draw would not be a terrible result because of the games in hand. But, you know, you go after that game to win it because if you do get those three points or even the one point, it affords you the luxury of being able to mix some guys in at Memphis. Whereas, you know, if you were to lose it and suddenly give up that ground, basically if you give them three points, you're giving up the game in hand advantage you have. Then you almost have to then play more of your guys, more of your best guys against Memphis because you now have less margin for error to run down Nashville. And, you know, it's he's going to mix people in. That's that's the one thing we've seen. You know, there's, there's no question about it, but I just think he, he will be much more comfortable giving the young guys starts in Memphis if they can get a result in Nashville. So I think he's going to approach Nashville as, you know, a playoff-type game. It's interesting, you know, the way you sort of phrased it, because I always sort of think of, okay, well, we have this game Saturday, we have this other game on Tuesday, you're already sort of thinking ahead to Tuesday and how you set your lineup on on Saturday, so it's okay, you know, we want to go out, we want to get the points against Nashville, maybe you put out something like an A team, but it's interesting how you mentioned, okay, say we get the draw, say we lose in Nashville, then maybe you aren't even thinking about Memphis until the Nashville game's over, 
and you're really then sort of considering, okay, now I really have to push the guys because we really need those three points. You don't have that luxury, like you said, of being able to say, okay, let's play some of the younger guys and just try to, you know, get a point um, or three out of the deal. That's that's interesting, Josh. How are you? Uh, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, Nashville's huge. I mean, we we it, again must win is a terrible thing to say. It's not true because we can still make it to fourth or third or second without this win but it is a huge game where if we do win that's going to make it a lot easier for us um but it's lily and i i know he's going to have heavy rotation because that's what lily does anytime we have a midweek game he does the rotation thing and i feel like this team could handle two games in a row uh you know but i i wouldn't doubt if this game comes in and we're scratching our heads when we see the lineup being like, really? So I'm prepared. And I, I do think even with that rotation, we could still get the draw or the win. Matt, you're, uh, you know, you say you're approaching this game. I, I'll, I'll never say you're Lily. Cause again, Lily, like Lily does what Lily does, but are you going into this Nashville game and maybe trying to do something like a five man backline and play maybe slightly more defensive? Or do you think you're going with a four man backline and really trying to push the envelope and take the game to Nashville? You know, that's, that's a call, you know, I, without being in the room with the, with, Bob and the staff and, and seeing what they're thinking about how Nashville's going to line up against them. And I, I honestly can't even remember the uh, how the teams lined up against one another the first time they met this year, so I'm not, I'm not sure how he'll approach that ta- tactically. You know, Usually he likes if, if a team is going to try and attack them wide, that's when he likes to have the more compact back line. Um, but yeah, I think he's gonna he's gonna react to what he's seen from Nashville and what they've been doing well. Uh, as a personal preference thing, because I think he's gonna try to put his best lineup out there. I think we're gonna see the five man back line because he's gonna want like like we like I spoke about earlier, Toby mm-hmm. Thomas, Joe through the middle there. Um, so so that would be my guess. Um, but every time I try to guess, it seems like he, he you know rolls the dice and comes out with something some new combination. So. You know, it, it, it's a, it, anyone's guess. You know, unless you're in the room with them when they come up with the lineups. I, but my guess is the five-man back line. So let's let's uh, let's flip it around. Let's say that you're Nashville and you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have um, who did I say? Birmingham Legion at home on Tuesday. So Nashville has the luxury of they have this home game on Tuesday. Um, and then they have us at home on Saturday, so they're not really doing a lot of traveling, whereas we'll sort of be vice versa. we got to travel to Nashville and then travel to Memphis the following Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're Nashville, I mean, you have to be looking at the Hounds and thinking that's where we need to, to really get the points, right? I mean, it feels almost like Birmingham, not that Birmingham's a gimme. I mean, looking at the standings right now, Birmingham's sitting in 10th place, and we've spent a lot of time sort of talking about, and Kevin hates it, but we talk about, you know, would you rather play teams at the top of the table, like a bubble team, or teams that really don't have a shot? Um, but I guess if you're Nashville and you're going into these two games, are you? do you think that, it, you know, would you be considering doing sort of an A team, B team sort of thing, Josh? Where where would you be on? That? You know, you're shaking your head now. No, no. Uh, Birmingham is a game that you can definitely lose because, or not, you can lose, but you you have the possibility of losing if you don't take it seriously. Birmingham is having a heck of a end of season right now. I mean, they just uh, what was it? Uh, 
Atlanta, they beat five zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they they've had some good games, and they're they're looking. They beat Tampa Bay. They like they're they're not just beating bottom feeder teams either. So it's a situation where I feel like if if you're Nashville, that's not a game you sleep on because that that those are points you need. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like we're. As far as this game goes uh, against Nashville, we're in a better position because they're going to be going off of a Tuesday game and then having us. So they're going to have the tired legs, whereas at least we get a full week's rest. Um, but we do have to travel. So I I do think I would rather be Pittsburgh in this situation than Nashville. Yeah. Matt, what's your, uh, what's your take on sort of as we get down the stretch here, you know, and again, it's a completely just – whatever your opinion um but would you rather be facing teams that are sort of at the top of the table sort of the bubble teams that are really sort of scratching and clawing to get in or those teams at the bottom that uh you know might just be doing auditions for next season uh out of all of those i mean i think you'd rather be playing the teams at the bottom that are out of the running uh the ones the ones i really don't want to play are the bubble teams because the ones that especially a team like like birmingham you guys were just talking about being a first-year team, too. Like, for them to make the playoffs in their first season would be huge for the franchise. You know, a lot of those players, you know, because they're all there their first year with the club, obviously, so they're trying to make their place for next year if they don't have sights on going to bigger and better elsewhere. Uh, yeah, the, the, the bubble teams, the ones, or even the ones that are battling for the the new first-round buy, that six, seven spot, like, those are the ones that I would rather avoid. Um that's that's just my preference. I think when you have two teams at the top, you know they're gonna. It'll be more like it'll be like a playoff game, but it'll be a little cagier. You know, one team doesn't have to really go all out unless it's the final week, and you know, uh, those three points is what puts us over the top. So, yeah, I, I avoid those bubble teams. That's why, like agreeing with uh, with Josh, that's that's a danger game for Nashville on Tuesday. That uh, Birmingham game. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I kind of think that, you know, it's not an original thought, but I feel like, you know, Nashville is the ones that we could maybe have an easier shot at overtaking, um, considering, you know, positioning, considering games in hand, considering who they have to face, the fact Mm -hmm. that they have to face Birmingham and us this week. Obviously, they still have a few more games to play, but we have more games to sort of make up points. Mm -hmm. So, and, and looking down the stretch here for us, We've got Nashville, which, you know, again, they're sort of scratching and clawing for a top four spot. Memphis, who at this point are basically out of it. They're sitting on thir- or 28 points, and currently the line is at 36. So there's going to have to be some magic in Memphis for them to really turn around and get it in there. Indy's going to be battling for a top spot, who we have after Memphis. And then we have Loudon and we have Atlanta, both of whom are out of it. Um, so that bodes well in our favor. But then the last two weeks, we got St. Louis and Birmingham, which at this point, they're both sort of bubble teams. St. Louis is at nine with 38. Birmingham's at 10 with 36. So I think, you know, a few months ago, we were sort of looking at this and thinking like, ah, you know, we should have a nice little coast to the end of the season once we get past Indy. I don't think that's going to be the case, especially with those games being away. Birmingham having their last, you know, the last game of the season for them being a home game and they could the the playoffs could be on the line. Like that could be a really physical game that uh the Hounds are going to be hoping for some home field and maybe a nice little bye um heading into the playoffs to recover from something like that. So, yeah, that's that's definitely one where you know, you hope by the end of the season the things have sort of worked themselves out. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have Birmingham in a position where you know, they 
clinch the playoff spot, but they know they're either going to be ninth, tenth. You know, they they can't improve their position anything. You, that would be the dream scenario that mm-hmm. maybe you go into a situation with Birmingham resting some players if they have anyone dinged up because they're going to have to play in that first round of the playoffs where the Hounds get a bye. Yeah. So I mean, you cross your fingers and hope things fall for you that way. And you never know this far out. I mean, every team still has at least six matches left. I think it's the fewest for anyone. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a long way to go. and I mean, who knows what the Hounds can end up. I know last week of the season, on, on the 12th of October, Tampa Bay and Indy play each other, too. So that very well could be a position where the Hounds are going to jump somebody. They just don't know who, depending on the outcome of that game. Yeah. Matt, let's uh, let's do this. You said that you know you think the Hounds could end up as high as two. Who do you think your, your top five are in order for the, se- for the end of the season? What are you thinking? <laughs> In order, I was gonna say we haven't wow. we haven't done this yet either, so I need to think about this a minute as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, first of all, I'm getting the list in front of me. Just, well, I'll say this: the top five now are almost certainly going to be the top five because I know now that yeah. as soon as I look at North Carolina, only has five matches left, and they're four, they're in six, four yep. points behind the Hounds. So it would take something special down the stretch for them just to move into the top five, mm-hmm. much less hold it when other teams make up those games. So. So, yeah, I think the top five is pretty well set, unless Louisville has something to surprise us too down the stretch. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say Indy 1. I said Hounds could get to second, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say <laughs> Indy 1, Hounds 2, Red Bulls 3, Nashville 4, Tampa. Tampa hasn't impressed me lately. I think they're still on a bit of – I mean, how, how many points did they have midway through the season? They were sitting six clear of everybody at one yeah. point. Maybe not midway through, but about you know fifteen games in. So I, I think Tampa's not as strong as they were. So I'm going to pick them to drop all the way to fifth. All right. So you're saying Tampa's the team that doesn't get the home playoff match to start. Josh, how about you? Yeah, I'm looking at that, and I'm I'm thinking Tampa could drop down to fifth. Uh, then Nashville, then well. It's hard. Like I, I still think it's kind of like neck and neck for Nashville and and the Hounds as far as fourth place goes. Um, but I do think one of us is going to be in fourth. One of us is going to be in third. I'm hoping we're in third, but we could be in fourth. And then so those ones I'm I'm not sure. I'm just going to say again to keep with my consistency is Hounds fourth, Nashville third, and then that brings Indy and Red Bulls. And I don't think those two are switching spots. I think Indy is not going to get first place. Yeah, I mean, sort of looking at it, I I think Red Bulls keep the first spot. I think was it Steve went through and did a comparison of you know the top seven teams and who they have left to play based on standings. I think this was last week, and it seemed like New York had the clearest path, had the easiest schedule, um, or no, I'm sorry, Tampa had the easiest schedule, um, and then we were second in terms of just teams that we had to play uh, relative to everything else. But I still think that ne- that New York ends up first. Um, I think that Indy could take some wear and tear. I was I was all set to say Indy takes second, but you know, listening to Matt, I think the Hounds could realistically jump up the second, um, and then followed by Indy. And yeah, I think it's a toss up between Tampa and Nashville. Really, I mean, they they have the same number of games um, played thus far. Tampa has two more points than Nashville, so I think if it just sort of not necessarily stays the way it is, but I do think that. Nashville's going to have to weather sort of a one-two punch between Birmingham and us this week, and that'll really sort of dictate where I think they may end up towards the end of the season here. Granted, there's still you know a lot of soccer left to be played. But I think I'll, I'll go New York, Pittsburgh, Indy, 
uh, we'll say Tampa, Nashville. I think Nashville drops out of that top four spot, which is kind of crazy because at the beginning of the season, both Nashville and Indy were spending oodles on players. And I think we were all just sort of predicting that they were going to run away with it Cincy style. <laughs> and uh, well, Indy, we said had the, you know, just as equal chance of being complete dumpster fire because they were just spending money on players and not really focusing on a system. And we thought Nashville had it more together. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting if Nashville drops out of the playoff spot. Interesting for sure. Guys, it all starts with this game this weekend. Let's do some score predictions. Matt, you are the guest, so I will let you start. How do you think uh, things shake out here in Nashville on Saturday? Uh, you know, I think the Hounds are going to go for it, and I think they're going to you know, play this like a playoff game to win. But, Matt, I mean, Nashville's strong. You're going on there. It's also, I, I realized this as we were talking about it uh, after the last match that this is going to be Pittsburgh's first time going to Nashville's home field because the first time they met on the road, they were playing at Nissan Stadium at the oh, Titans' yeah, home yeah. stadium. So it's their first time dealing with uh, whatever Nashville's baseball complex looks like. I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the Hounds are going to push for it, but I think Nashville's pretty good, so I'm going 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw. Lily Spe- well, no, Lily Special's the new 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, we upped that over last year. <laughs> that, that's true. He, he upgraded this year. <laughs> Josh, what are, you, what are you taking here? Uh, we haven't seen too many of these, but I think it's going to be a 0-0 zero, zero draw. Ooh. It's like kissing your brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was that a Back to the Future reference? Yes, uh, sorry. I, I was like, why did I say brother and not sister? It just felt more natural to say brother. Anyway, um, twisted childhood <laughs> stuff going on there. I will say... Uh, hmm, man. I'm going to say 2 nothing Hounds. Um, I think I think that Nashville will have a little bit of tired legs. I think they're, they're going to be a little battered. I think Birmingham are going to come in, and it's going to be sort of a physical match because, like we said, Birmingham are going to be scratching and clawing for every point they can get. Um, Nashville is going to have this game this weekend on their mind as they're playing Birmingham. And so, you know, they're, they're going to want, they're going to need to play at least some of their starters, to get these points against Birmingham. And then to come out and sort of face us, I think Lily comes out fast. I think we put the pressure on quick and we try to get one quick. And if we get one quick, then that's going to force Nashville to open up and we got a chance to get another one. And like Matt said, I think if we drop into that five man back line and we have that security blanket, then I'm going to feel super duper about it. Oh man, what if they pull in Ottawa? What if Nashville just completely just just goes Ottawa and and we get four zero? <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. Well, especially I mean, I'm sorry. looking looking at you know the tiebreakers at this point, you know, right now we're sitting on same number of points, but I think the tiebreaker this year is not goal differential; it's goals four, right? Once you get, I I may be wrong there, well, Matt. I, do you know the first? one. The first one is still total wins, I think. Okay. Isn't yes. That the, uh, and that's the, that's the first one, which Nashville has more right now, but also the Hounds have the game in hand. So I, I, I don't think if they – I think Nashville will get that tiebreaker if they end up on level on points because if the Hounds get more wins, they're going to just have more points and not even be tied with Nashville anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're, so, you're I, saying I it's think. a moot conversation is what you're saying. <laughs> at, at, at least, at least with regards to Nashville. Now, if the Hounds do add a few more wins, then they might end up in a tie with somebody, you know, Tampa or Indy, but sitting second or third. Then it might be an issue with them. But I don't think it will be with Nashville. Yeah, no, that's fair. So that's what we think. 
obviously let us know what you think about this upcoming match and this upcoming stretch. Um, you know, our shows are going to sort of be, I don't want to say all over the place, but obviously with uh, sort of the five games in two weeks, we're going to try to mix in some other things, uh, try to get you preview shows before the games, even though, you know, there's multiple games a week. So, you know, bear with us as we try to, to um, you know, bring you as much audio as we can. Matt, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you, man. You know, we really appreciate you joining us. Tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can hear the, your post-game show and all that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough uh, to join uh, Matt Dyke, the play-by-play man for the Hounds, uh, for his uh, post-game uh, wrap-up shows that uh, you can just stream it right on Facebook Live, his uh, Matt Dyke media page. You know, he's been nice enough to have me along. He also has uh, John Krasinski on sometimes from... Uh, Pittsburgh soccer now, so uh, you know it's fun to join them. Uh, you know, I personally I've been enjoying this season where I'm not the man on deadline at uh, my previous jobs, but I've uh, been following the team just the same. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it, it's going to be a fun last month of the season, and I, I think there's good things in it for the Hounds. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Matt. And uh, guys, I think that's I think that's pretty much it for this one. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head over to mongols.com to hear all the shows we put out, including the preview show and the postgame full 90. You can follow us on Twitter at mongols. Email us at mongols at bgn.fm, at mongolspod on Instagram. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribe to the show, leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Later. <laughs>